Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the second hour is here. Thursday edition, Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow across the Outkick Network. You can join us live on YouTube. Search out Outkick, subscribe to the channel, join Chad in the chat. That's the big reward, really. Chat, we'll chat. Let's chit chat. Some real one-on-one -on -one time you get in there. That's with right. Yeah. Just, just me and you in there talking. You can find uh, the link on X uh, on, on Twitter, uh, formerly known as Twitter. Uh, just search out the, the Outkick account there. We're streaming live, plus live at Outkick.com. And on this great radio station, uh, we say thank you for tuning in. Uh, we've got uh, Trey Wallace, who will join us, college football reporter for Outkick. He joins us in 20 minutes. Uh, second best game of the weekend. Is it Tennessee-Bama, other than Ohio State-Penn State? It is on my list. Okay. That we'll get into tomorrow. Oh, Okay. And then you have a number of contenders for a top five, I think, after that. Yeah, Utah, USC. I'm trying Good. to think of just top 25 versus top 25 matchup. Um, Duke, Duke, Florida State. Yes. Is another one that's up there. Uh, Texas taking on Houston, I believe, this weekend. That's Texas intriguing. is a I, – I think – I need to double-check this. They're like a 27-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. It's something absurd. It's the point spread in the game is huge. Yes, yeah, uh, but yeah, we're all looking forward to Penn State Ohio State. We'll uh, preview that matchup. Clay told us yesterday he's taking Penn State straight up on the road uh, against uh, the Buckeyes. Chad, uh, our top headlines of the day: Scorched Earth across uh, the Outkick Network today. You can find these stories at Outkick.com. Uh, but we start with uh, Aaron Rodgers appearing on Pat McAfee. Uh, the the million dollar visit uh, that McAfee had to confirm in a, a funny way. The Rodgers is uh, he's already taken a swipe at Kelsey in past visits, and uh, in this case he goes for the low hanging fruit because AJ Hawk set it up by saying that the recovery time where Rodgers is ahead of schedule, according to uh, some uh, medical experts, they're saying he's a month, science. month and a half ahead. And yeah, he said. Hey, Aaron Rodgers has defined science, and he said, if science is Dr. Fauci, yes, I'm, you're damn right I'm defying science. Uh, and I, you know what I think when I see these visits? This is on ESPN. Yeah. That, I mean, if you, the big discussion when McAfee made the jump was whether or not he was going to be able to do his show and how censored he would be because of the network that he was working for, the company he's working for. So far, that has not happened. And it's been virtually the same type of show. He's even, you know, in some cases, I mean, they have him on a delay because they know he's going to be himself. And I'm all for it. Yeah, Same for Rodgers. Absolutely. I, I love it, too. Um, he also took the swipe at Kelsey, called him Mr. Pfizer. I wonder how much Pfizer spends with ESPN. Or Disney properties. I can't turn on the television without seeing a Pfizer ad somewhere or the Travis Kelsey one or anything else that I'm watching. Um, that That's an interesting 
sidebar to this, just the business behind the business. And knowing and what some, they were versus what they're trying to yeah, be. Yeah, is some sales rep at ESPN or the head of sales hearing from Pfizer no. saying, you know, Aaron Rodgers needs to shut up about well, Fauci well, and probably, Mr. But, Pfizer? Probably, but I mean, no. Yeah, I, they're, I they're going to get theirs anyway. I mean, Rodgers is working for Johnson and Johnson. Yeah, there's no. Um, it, it, it's amazing what time does and and perspective on this. There's not a lot of anger about Aaron Rodgers saying this or doing this now. No, I, I don't. How, I, how could there? I be? don't see the rush to step up and defend Fauci as as quickly as as people had. You know, six months ago, even that that would have taken place. It is and amazing. Now it's just kind of silence when something like this happens. If you don't agree with Rogers, his thoughts on science or politics or whatever, then people are just going to kind of remain silent on. It. I don't. I don't see the hate of Aaron Rodgers when he says stuff like this anymore. Yeah, but also like uh, which shows that we're evolving as a society. In Green Bay, he was the grouch, really. Yeah, you know, he was viewed in that persona, and now with the New York Jets, I I can't recall another player meaning so much to one team on the field and off the field with everything he says and then his presence within the facility and on the sideline and what it does for that group. Because when he's there, they win. And when he's not there, they don't win on those trips. It, it was, it's fascinating because he's keeping the locker room together, all the trash talk from former players like Namath and others yeah. about Zach Wilson. He's like the gatekeeper to everything. Yes. And then the fast track to get back where he's pushing the limits. He had the, the special surgery, uh, the, the, new, the new version of the Achilles recovery time where he told his doctor, we are going to push the limits here. We are going to stress the Achilles, not stretch the Achilles. And he's comparing his recovery time to that of uh, Dobbins in Baltimore because they suffered that the same, same week. So here we go. And, and the, the mentality, Chad, you know this works in the locker room. Knowing you're getting him back and believing it, that, that, that is a, that's, that's the motivation because you're going to have your guy who was the Super Bowl quarterback for you to bring you not just back to the playoffs, but to make a run. Yeah, it's such a unique situation, uh, not unlike Tom Brady when he got to Tampa, where right. you, you already have legend status and you're still playing. You know, this isn't Joe Montana years after retirement. This is 39-year-old Aaron Rodgers stepping into your locker room. We saw it on Hard Knocks, the way the team took to him. And the basic response from players was, man, this guy's really cool. Now, this is a guy I grew up watching, you know, for a lot of these players. I grew up as a kid watching Aaron Rodgers for the Green Bay Packers, and now he's here on my team. Same could have been said for Tom Brady when he went to Tampa. And those teammates now are with a guy that they grew up watching or idolizing. So that level of respect mixed with Rodgers' willingness to do anything and everything New York Jets, that he just completely, Hutton, you called him the grouch, you know, when he was in Green Bay. That was, that was sort of the mode the last few years after the Jordan Love pick. And then he gets to, to New York, and it's a completely different guy. Has all the and, control. And even after the injury, he's continued to carry that weight for the team. I think it's cool to see. Uh, I hope he can get back on the field this year. It, how likely that is, I don't know. But it's really interesting to see this evolution of Aaron Rodgers and this version of him that the Jets are getting that 
that personality wasn't always there at the end in Green Bay. If you haven't heard him speak on how he's ahead of schedule because of his mind, go check that out. It's interesting. From the darkness retreat all the way through the the push to get back in record time. I think there there's a big correlation to mentally how you handle how injury, you illness, anything in recovery. Absolutely. So he's not wrong when he says that. Doing it his way. Yeah. That's for sure. Uh, a survey by The Athletic says that only roughly 30% of college game day fans um, are happy or pleased with Pat McAfee, support Pat McAfee on college game day. Chad, you said it uh, about eight minutes ago. Um, people hate change. They hate adjusting. And they're adjusting to the time slot for McAfee's show on ESPN based on the numbers and also trying to adjust and put up with change on college game day. Specifically, that audience, not pleased. Yeah, I'd like to know what people think about Lee Corso on the show, quite frankly. That's a, that's a poll I'd like to see. What percentage of college game day fans actually think that he's good uh, right now, given all the, the issues he's, he's had recently. He's, and not, I, he's not good. No, and I understand why you, know, you don't want to push out a legend that's but been sad. such a big part of the it, show. Yeah. It's, it's beyond sad to watch it every week. Um, it's, it's, I don't know, very odd uh, with that one. And I, I love Lee Corso. I still like the, the headgear pick at the end of the, the show and all of that. It's good fun, but I, I don't – if I'm watching college game day – my takeaway is not, boy, I didn't like that Pat McAfee. He really didn't bring the energy. It's, man, they really have to struggle through it with, uh, with Lee Corso at this point in his career on that show. I think McAfee's terrific. I think he's exactly the energy that show needed. I disagree with the 69% of people polled that don't like uh, well, 40, Pat McAfee 48% said they don't like him. and then 31% side with him or something. It's what it's well, like. It 21% of respondents had no opinion. Yeah. I mean, that's. I'm, I don't know how you I'm watch very that show surprised by that. and not have an opinion on Pat McAfee. Yeah. I, I can understand not having a strong opinion about um, Desmond Howard, you know, one way or the other, but, or the host, Reese Davis, one way or another, but you're going to have an opinion on Pat McAfee just the way he delivers everything on, on the show. How much of it I is. I think the- it's great. I think it's exactly what the show needed. Uh, one of the biggest hires for ESPN is going to be whoever replaces Lee Corso. When, when that day comes, the coach that I think needs to be a coach, yep. the coach they bring in in that seat is going to be a big job for someone to fill. Chad, how much of it with McAfee on that particular show is about his beef with Washington State? Oh, if you're I, really entrenched in it, if you're saying no, you don't like him. Yeah, I, I, think I don't just, know how you vote based. It's a, It would be how he is on that particular show if you're taking that survey. He's just so different. I mean, I think it's just people that have probably watched for years that wanted more of the same. And they thought when he got, he's so different from every other host and the way he is on that show that people don't, it's just people not liking change is is what I think it really is. I I thought the show, while not bad, was still good. I I thought it needed a little bit of that juice when when he came in and hit the ground running. And he does his homework. Uh, He knows these teams. Um, it, it's not like he's just there, you know, not watching football or not caring. He's a football guy, and he knows the game. So I, I don't get. I, I think he's terrific on the show. That's just one man's opinion. Uh, there's a lot of men and women apparently though who don't like him on College Game Day, which surprises me and doesn't. 
It doesn't surprise me because I, I think that he's anytime something's different from the way something is normally gone or the way it operates, it's going to be divisive. And that's other, what he is. The other thing that pops up for me is of the 48% that say they don't like him, do they not like him enough to flip over to Big Noon? Big Noon kickoff. That, that's interesting. How, if you're willing, to me, if you're willing to stick with it, there's no harm in voting. You're not worried about the fact that McAfee received these votes. Well, this their, their ratings have been good. Yeah. So uh, that, that's what ESPN is going to point to and say, yeah. But halfway look, through these the people first are still season, watching. you know, halfway through the first full season for him, uh, 48% already. That surprises me. Yes. Uh, not surprised with uh, Mike McDaniel's response to the question uh, that he received about Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, McDaniel always uh, crushes it at the podium. Um, we've long said that whenever he was hired, what, a year and a half ago now, about two years ago, uh, that it was, uh, it was a different direction for the Miami Dolphins and every NFL organization. And we were rooting for him because of just the background and his story and his presence. And the fact that he's a, a guy from Yale who's now the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, uh, he has transformed that offense and the view of how dominant they are. The trades, the acquisitions, the free agent signings, the draft picks, and the questions about Tua prior to Mike McDaniel and then now. McDaniel uh, answered a question in regards to if any quarterback could have success in this offense and the situation of just dropping in the QB with everything around him. Quote, I'm about to push this podium over. (laughs) My answer to that would be, who the F cares? I've coached a long time, and I haven't seen people do what our guys do. That's well said. A great answer. Yeah. And uh, To I, their credit, to and, their ability, and the commitment to their craft is what he added to you that. You know who loves that answer more than anyone else? It's his players when they hear an answer like that from their head coach. I, I love the guy. Uh, you mentioned, Hun, we we've been rooting for his success from the beginning because he is so different. <laughs> and uh, I, I think it's, it's cool to see that type of change in the league. Uh, that's another example of a terrific answer from a fascinating head coach. The uh, the dominance of Miami so far, Chad, and Tyreek Hill. But the uh, mentioned this earlier in the week, but just for uh, clarity with Tua in this offense. Tua paired with Tyreek Hill. 126 receptions in 18 games to de- together. Over 2,000 yards receiving, 13 touchdowns. And that math, if you divide it, is 114 yards per game. And that's only with Tua as the quarterback in Miami. They average 30 points per game when both players are on the field. Craziness, man. Not bad. 37. They're averaging 37 points this season together. Now, the 70 drop on uh, Denver helps, of course. But... It's still 37 points per game as an average. It's incredible. I'm trying to think of where the, the uh, assertion that, or assumption that you know, any quarterback could do it in his system would even come from. I guess it's the 49ers' well, background? Yeah, yeah. Well, with Shanahan. Maybe, yeah. He's been, every job he's had is with Shanahan. And that, that's the assumption with Shanahan's offense. Is Purdy is a product of the offense, not a product of just being a solid quarterback. Yeah. Well, it's, it's not, you know, there's no such thing as some offensive guru, especially in the NFL, 
that can take a bad quarterback and make the offense good. Right. Bad quarterbacks are going to be bad quarterbacks. You can't fix that. Shanahan. So there's various Shanahan levels Shanahan bailed on his guy, Trey Lance. Guys who know how to craft a system around the quarterback's strengths, and even if that quarterback isn't one of the best in the league, they have enough strengths and the coach is smart enough to know those strengths and play towards that where the offense can be better than maybe some other places that aren't as good at that. And, and Mike McDaniels is one of those guys. Kyle Shanahan, one of those guys, certainly. Um, I, I don't know a single coach that would tell you, yeah, you know, I can go win in the NFL with a bad quarterback. You know, that's how good of an offensive play caller I am. I can design an offense better than anyone. Give me a bad quarterback and I'm going to go win. That's just not reality. Well, I mean, if you're getting bad quarterback play, New England you're is probably that losing. Out. Yeah, yeah, New England is finding that out. Uh, the Titans haven't had bad quarterback play, but not great quarterback consistency. Well, and they need to find. And I'm naming what? They need I'm to find out the two what they teams have that in, are going through the run, not the pass. Yeah. And Miami's doing it both. Lead, well, leaders in both categories. At least one of those teams needs to try out their backup quarterback. Yes. And Will Levis. Maybe both. And soon. Coming up, Trey Wallace joins us. We preview Ohio State, Penn State, Tennessee, Alabama, and the other great games on the slate of college football. Next. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Chad, we head down to Alabama. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Trey Wallace is there, our senior reporter for all things college football and more Trey's at Outkick.com. getting an early jump on that game. Yeah. Love it. Trey joins us now. Trey, uh, welcome in. Hope things are well. It, it, it's good. It, it was a it was a long. I, I hate traveling through Chattanooga. By the way, uh, that is the absolute worst. Uh, just want to throw that out there for everybody that's listening. I love the people in Chattanooga. I just hate your interstates. Um, but other than that, yeah, a good a good four hour trip turned into a seven hour trip. So I'm here and made it. Read uh, read your uh, piece at, at Outkick, there, and I like the headline: Hostile Saturday. Uh, certainly the case uh, in Tuscaloosa, and we'll preview the other great game. Uh, there are several, but the, the game in a, in a moment. Uh, set up this matchup this year compared to last year for Bama and Tennessee and what it means for the SEC hierarchy in 2023. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing that, that I look at it this year compared to last year 
is how the game we're, we're entering this game with completely different circumstances on offense for both teams. Last year, you know, we we had a, a Hendon Hooker versus Bryce Young type matchup, and and you you thought you were going to get over forty points in that game. This year's matchup is completely different. You've got two offenses uh, that are still struggling in the passing category. Uh, rushing the ball, okay, Tennessee's doing well, 230 averaging on the ground. Alabama, uh, they're ranked a little bit. Unfortunately, they're ranked a little bit. I, I think it's like 71st in the country and overall, you know, rushing. But here's the way I look at it. I think that Josh Heupel versus Nick Saban this year, looks completely different because of the quarterback situation and the trust that they have in the quarterbacks. I, I think that both of them are still trying to figure out how much of the playbook we're going to open up for our guy. And, and, you know, whether that's Tommy Reese and Nick Saban doing it for Jalen Milrow and you know, letting him check out of, of certain plays and you know testing teams down deep. And then it gets to Josh Heupel and Joe Milton. You know, do, do they trust? We haven't seen the full Tennessee offense yet. Um, I, I went back and watched a couple of different games on, on offensive snaps compared to last year, and I get it. Different quarterback, different type of system that you're running this year, but we I, I just don't think we've seen it all. And, and, and so what's happening? Is, is it because they're hampering, you know, Joe Milton? Do they not trust Joe Milton fully? I think it's a little bit of both. I, I think that, you know, now is the time you better open it up. Because you're going on the road to Alabama, tough environment. Uh, yeah, you haven't really won that road game yet. Uh, Josh Heupel has it kind of as that signature win. And so I look at this matchup, and I just think there's so many different elements to this one. Uh, and I think that's why it's intriguing, Jonathan. Yeah, and I, I, a lot of the discussion is about what Bama's defense can do to Joe Milton. But if we flip it, Tennessee's defense has been solid. Big surprise. What can Tennessee's it, defense it, do to Milrow? Has it, isn't that wild? Isn't that, compared to where Tennessee was, let's just say four or five years. I was having a conversation with somebody last night in the SEC about this. Compared to where Tennessee was four or five, six years ago on defense and where they are right now, uh, you know, in sack category, stopping the run, the secondary is playing better. You're finding guys along the defensive line that can step up and get after the quarterback. It's like a complete transition from what we've seen from Tennessee defense in years past. And I would say they're, they're doing it with a lot of the young talent on this roster. I, I you know, Tyler Barron coming off the edge. I know he's a type of, an older type of guy, but I look at it overall. And I just think, okay, okay, for a team that I didn't think much of defensively over the last three to four years, even going back to the Pruitt era, they had problems. They couldn't cover a slant. Their life depended on it. Now you look at this team, and and defense is the main talking point that yeah. we're discussing in regards to Tennessee-Alabama. Who would have thought that a year ago? So I just think it's strides getting better, adding players, and, you know, a, a nice job by Tim Banks of putting it all together. You know, it, it's one thing to have a quarterback, you know, not give you a ton to win you the game. You can't have quarterbacks doing things to lose the game. And I think that's where Joe Milton started to cross over in this past game mm -hmm. with the, the interception uh, down in the red zone and, and some decision-making at times. Um, Jalen Milrow, you know, he it has the potential to win a game for you at some point. And Milton certainly has the ability to also. Drew Aller and Penn State, that's the next quarterback oh. I want to get to, though, because that is a situation where that kid needs to go to Columbus 
and do some things to win that game if Penn State's going to come out of there with a victory. What do you think of, of the possibility of that happening, Trey, and just overall the matchup between Ohio State and Penn State on Saturday? I was talking to a Penn State coach two nights ago, and, and, and the biggest thing that, that stood out to me from our conversation was them being able to connect on the deep ball and cause problems, you know, with this Ohio State secondary. Ohio, the Buckeyes got their own kind of problems on offense, but it's all about Penn State exposing, you know, the secondary of the Buckeyes, and if they can, if they can stretch the field, this gives them that opportunity. I don't, I don't know about you guys, but it feels like, you know, and there's a couple of names that we could probably throw in there, but Drew Aller feels like the most complete quarterback that James Franklin has had during his time at Penn State. And I know that's up for argument, but I'm just saying in my, my opinion, everything put together, it feels like it is, and he is. And I just look at Penn State as a team, okay, they run the football. The defense is good. I think that with Drew Aller, a quarterback, you're able to get more down the field, at least be able to open this thing up. Whereas on the other side, you know, I, I don't know how much I trust McCord right now, Kyle McCord, that quarterback for Ohio State. I, I trust his receiver. I trust Marvin Harrison Jr. But it's all about Kim McCord getting the ball on that consistent basis, which most games have shown they have. But in my opinion, they haven't played the defense like they're about to play against Penn State. So getting back to the original question, I, I look at Drew Aller, James Franklin, you know, hit the jackpot when it comes to him because I don't think there's another quarterback you know, in this conference, maybe besides McCarthy, that's like him. So Saturday, when we get when we get going between these two teams, and 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 I think that overall, I think that Ohio State probably has more talent at, at certain spots. But I think as a team, Penn State might be up there with with the top three, top four in the country, Chad. And so now, does this go towards a win? Can they actually put it together? Franklin's one and eight versus Ohio State. I haven't beaten them in a, in Columbus in a very long time. So can they transition this? Is this like a you know? And I asked this somebody else: Is this a must-win game for Penn State? Like, if they really want to make a statement in the Big Ten, do they finally have to somehow climb out out of the shadows of of Michigan and Ohio State and actually win that big one, which would be Saturday? So that one is going to be. You know, I think off the charts. I think it's going to be a fun game to watch. I do think Drew Aller has success. And, you know, if he can get bailed out by his defense, I think the Nittany Lions beat the Buckeyes. So, Trey, South Carolina sits right now at two and four. They go to Missouri this weekend. They go to Texas A&M the following weekend. Um, not been great for Shane Beamer, and especially this past week. He breaks his foot because he kicks something after the game. He goes – I love his honesty – and his candor, and I love interviewing him for that reason, but there are times where you can be too honest, and I think <laughs> yeah. in his post-game press conference when he just threw his entire football team under the bus and basically said, well, we're calling the right plays, they're, they're just not doing it, or we're telling them what to do, I, and they're not doing it during the game, and I don't know what you want me to do about that. Um, very different response to being questioned than Dan Lanning and the way he handled it after the Oregon, Oregon's loss to Washington. Where is this South Carolina team right now and in a sneaky good game on Saturday at 3.30 Eastern time at Missouri, what kind of chance does South Carolina have to go in there and win? It, it sounds like Shane 
was trying to filibuster, you know, during, during that post game. Um, I mean, he went on. I think I, I think he went on for seven minutes before they got a question. Look, this South Carolina football program is not what I thought it would be right now. They have a lot of young players in that roster, a lot of freshmen, uh, even on the offensive line, which by the end of the season, you know, they'll be veterans. You know, they're, they're of the conference, they'll get it. But I think when you look at how they've lost, you know, they had a – what was a 10-point lead last week against Florida. Mm-hmm. They let the Gators get back into it. So they take an L. Now you got to go on the road to Missouri. Here's the thing. I think South Carolina is still a good football team. Like, I, I think they're capable on offense. I mean, not having Juice Wells, that's tough. But I think this is still an offense that could go to Missouri and score 25, 28 points, and we've got ourselves a thriller coming down to the fourth quarter. I, 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 I just, South Carolina fans are upset. And I get that because you expect gradual results that keeps getting better every single year. So you look at last year and you want to you want to build off that. Okay, so what's better? Nine wins, you know, ten wins? Is that the way to go? And unfortunately, I, I think they've been bitten. Um, you know, you've, they've had injuries. The roster is not as deep at certain spots as, as Shane Beamer would like it to be. So so now you got to go on the road to Missouri, who's six and one, I think it is on the season. And you've got a quarterback like Brady Cook that could turn this into just a quarterback duel between him and Spencer Rattler. I mean, they could just trade points all afternoon in Columbia, and I would be just fine with it. I, I think it could turn into that type of game. So, you know, with, with South Carolina, you know, a lot of people look at it and say they took a step back this year and taken a step back this year um, with their record. I would say we saw Carolina come on strong last season, you know, towards the end, final five or six games, started playing better football. I also think that's because Shea Beamer took the play calling duties away from Marcus Satterfield. But when we look at, you know, take for instance this weekend, if South Carolina get a win, maybe get back in that conversation of momentum. But the problem is you go to Missouri, you lose by 14 to 17 points. I don't care care if Shane is kicking Gatorade bottles and breaking his foot or tearing his knee up, there's not going to be much he can say um, to probably cool down the South Carolina fans that were expecting something different this season so far. Trey Wallace with us from Outkick.com. Trey, just a minute and a half left here. How do you think USC responds this week with Utah now coming to their place after getting boat raced by Notre Dame? I mean, I picked them to lose. I did. I, I, I was going back and forth on this last night. Um, it, it, their defense is in shambles right now. Alex Grinch. I, I think Lincoln Riley's going to have to make a move after this season. Um, they, they can't get out. They can't get after the quarterback. Their secondary is weak, in my opinion. And I think Utah can come out and sling the football around on USC and force Caleb Williams to get into a you know a, a shootout in the Coliseum, which I, I, I've seen them. We've seen them go back and forth. Arizona, Colorado, couldn't score against Notre Dame. So now you're going to score against Utah, which doesn't have a bad defense. I think they're pretty darn good, to be honest with you. Um, and, and if we get that same kind of production from the Utes on offense that we've seen at times this year, without Cam Rising, by the way, um, I, I here, here's what I'll say. Don't let one loss turn into two losses. I think one loss is going to turn into two losses because of the way they got beat by Notre Dame. And with the Utah team coming in, they got some momentum, some juice, and they see a wounded animal over there in the Trojans. So that's going to be a fun game this weekend. 
And I do think that one comes down in the fourth quarter, and I'm interested to see who pulls it out. I think it's Utah, but we'll see. Does Duke have a chance to knock Florida State from the the unbeatens on Saturday? 30 seconds here, Chad. Oh, man, I wanted to pick Duke so bad, Chad, but I didn't know the status of Riley Leonard, man. Like, going into Tallahassee with a backup quarterback, that's just tough. I really wanted to pick Duke. And if Riley Leonard – I'll leave with this. If Riley Leonard plays on Saturday against Florida State, this will be a touchdown game going into the fourth quarter. It will be close. Seminoles will be tested. Trey Wallace, you can read his great work uh, across the college football coverage at outkick.com. He's in uh, Alabama right now and uh, covering in Tuscaloosa, Tennessee. Somewhere in Alabama. Alabama. That's right. That's right. Also, uh, you can find the Trey Wallace podcast. And the guest this week, Chad, is? You're you're looking at him. You're talking to him right now. Trey had to really scrape the bottom of the barrel for his guest this week because I I joined him on his podcast. I knew you would say something like that, and that's fine. You can get away with saying. You knew like I would that. say Look, yes. That, that's the key. That's what. That's what you knew going into it. Yes, I'll. I'll do it. I'm sure it's it was, a great it chat. was a lot of fun. We we had a lot of fun talking college football. Trey, uh, we needed to we needed to vent a little bit. So I appreciate Chad coming on. <laughs> yeah. Always good. Good vent session. Chad's never always good to vent. Only that's helps. For sure. yeah. Trey, thank you, man. Have a great weekend, guys. Thank you all. Same to you. I'm looking forward to the the coverage there in Tuscaloosa and. It was finding out if Joe Milton can put together a complete game. If he does, Tennessee can win. Well, I'm just not betting on that fact. Yeah, I mean, if I think it, I think he's it, capable of having the game of his life. Yeah, it, it's going to take the game of his life, I think, to win either Saturday or against Georgia. I think it. He, I, he's I got one Milton, of those games in him somewhere, and Joe it's probably Milton against just Kentucky. Does <laughs> the bottom barrel basics? I know. They can beat Missouri, Kentucky, everyone else on their schedule, except for Alabama and Georgia, where he's going to have to do more. The problem is Joe Milton can't do things to hurt them the way he's been doing. Because if he becomes a negative, it's one thing to be just even. But when you're a negative, I don't don't know why you continue to play him at at that point and see what you have in the freshman. So we'll see this weekend. Big... Big challenge for him, that's for sure. Coming up, Caleb Williams has responded about the Notre Dame fan. That's next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us for Hot Mike with Hunting Withrow across the Outkick Network. Chad, I am uh, currently at outkick.com slash bets, uh, outkick.com slash bet to uh, look at the lines for this week um, for wrong team favored, which we have coming up tomorrow. And I'll be doing that with points bet. If you haven't taken your shot with points bet, now's the perfect moment. Here's the big reason why exclusively for first time points bet users. Grab this unique offer right now. New points bet users can get up to $1,000. Open on your phone right now. Yep, right there. You. There it is. Second chance bets. <clears throat> and uh, if your first bet doesn't go as planned, points bet has your back with a second chance. Get this offer by visiting outkick.com slash bet. Outkick.com slash bet. Complete the registration process with points bet and 
make your first bet. If your first bet happens to lose, that's when your second chance bet comes into play. Remember, terms and conditions apply. You got to be 21 or over in legal gambling states. Gambling problem, 1-800-GAMBLER. And you can head over to outkick.com slash bet to catch this offer. Maybe that's where the, uh, the inmate uh, traveled for his uh, 16 parlay that was able if to you the story, make $13,000 and he was able to post the 10,000 yeah. bail. Well, and it, it look, the video of it's even better if we could play that. It's him on a phone call, and he, it looks like he's making his one phone call to his bookie. And he's like, yeah, I want Washington <laughs> Moneyline, Buffalo, and he's just going down the list and hits on it. Uh, he cashed out for 13000 and change also. Pretty incredible story. Yes, yes. He should be doing a gambling podcast after hitting that. Once he gets out of jail totally, I think he should start his own podcast, <laughs> given his newfound fame. Maybe he'll he'll be one of the he'll have a one of the the voicemails or whatever you call and get his voicemail and he's like you can play this game as if it's already been played yeah and he gives you his pick of the week. I would like to thank the lady who just brought in my uh, chicken quesadilla that I'm about to devour during the break, Hutton, and for something that was going to be a primary complaint of mine, but is not the case here. Okay, is when you ask for something, especially at a counter order, and they bring it out to you. I really think most people just say yes to your request and don't even think a, a second time about it. It's like, yeah, yeah, sure, we'll we'll definitely uh, get that to you, and it never comes back. But she, look at that, she brought the sauce, put it in there that Where I asked it? for it. It's it's back there okay. somewhere. Yeah, it's hidden. around the TV monitor. Hidden but for me. Anyway, I just wanted to thank her for that. It's the little things in life. It really is it's the little things that get me going. And when I saw that sauce on there, I got very excited, and I want to thank her publicly for remembering for me. Because most people don't. Chad, uh, the the NFL uh, reporters, beat writers, columnists, uh, talking heads, it, they're, they were like me. They're thinking, what is Dove Kleiman doing? Resurfacing and repackaging a story and report by Mike Florio and Pro Football Talk from July and putting it out earlier this week that Caleb Williams was through his father was going to ask for a percentage stake in the NFL franchise that ended up drafting him. Um, yeah. He said he partial ownership was the report by Florio. Uh, and he puts this out on social media as a report. He's NFL. He's everyone's, everyone's noticed him. You may, he's anonymous. He's mysterious. He's an aggregator for NFL news. And I would say 85% of the time that he tweets something out is sourced properly. Uh, and actually is is quoted or recapped in a way that is accurate. Uh, and I, I mean, I follow his account and make sure that I'm keeping up with the news of the day for the NFL. And he's one of the accounts that does that for all the reporters. He just puts it into one post. But he went back to a report in July, and it's your typical clickbait. USC Caleb Williams wants partial ownership from the NFL team that will select him in the 2024 draft per pro football talk. And while that is what Florio put out in the original post, the details haven't changed from July to no, nearly November. Here we are a week before October, and he's putting it out as a report that was just posted from PFT. And he's catching heat for it, and he should. No, no, no doubt about it. I, I, I don't understand the desire to – not that this is something that's – it is deceptive in that it's being positioned as some new news that was old news, right? 
but the attempt to deceive people uh, on social media and online. There are some parody accounts that that we follow yes. that are funny. Yeah. That kind of do things that might be true but aren't, but are, it's funny headlines. I, I I get some of the comedy behind it, but just to outright deceive someone is uh, I don't I don't understand the desire of people to do that. Chad Caleb Williams uh, he's responded to the Notre Dame fan, which we'll get to in a moment. But the response to what he's done against top twenty-five defenses not good. Um, if you look at the numbers, Williams has played in thirty-two college football games. He's only seen a top 25 defense on the other side of the football just five times. The numbers and uh, the uh, solid recap of this through Mark Harris at Outkick tell a story and paint a picture of when it's really good on the other side, Williams isn't. And we saw that against Notre Dame last week. In the top 25 scoring defenses, he's only looked like himself in one of those games. Three touchdowns, or three, yeah, three touchdowns and no interceptions against Oklahoma State, and that was back in 2021 before he left and followed Lincoln Riley to USC. Other than that, the other four top 25 defenses combined, just three touchdowns, six picks, two and two overall for his career. It's not great, and there's something about his game that gives me cause for concern at the next level. Okay. It is this Kyler Murray type off script thing that he has that his highlights, if you go and watch, just watch the highlights from any of his games. I feel like 80% of them is him abandoning ship with whatever the play was and doing something on his own and making that happen. It looks great on a highlight reel. It looked great for Johnny Manziel in college. I don't know that it translates as well to the NFL. Patrick Mahomes can do it. But he's also doing a lot of things within the construct of the offense. And that's also just kind of part of what they do in Kansas City. Um, I, this stat is not good about his play against top 25 defenses. But I just note that with Caleb Williams. How many times it looks like he's just getting out of the pocket quickly and making something up as he goes. I, I don't know that that's going to translate as well to the next level. Let me see those nails now, bro. Oh, That's so what great. the Notre Dame fan ran up and told Caleb Williams on the field. Let me see those nails now, bro. Let me see those nails now, bro. Come on. Thank you. Ah, we did it. We did it. We did it. <laughs> Chad and I touched on this yesterday. We love that kid. I love that kid so yeah. much. Uh, I, I want him on the show. I want to talk to him. Uh, I hope he wears the white tank top he was wearing in the video uh, when he joins us. I mean, it, just incredible. And uh, the, then to bump in the Notre Dame player with the, oh, we did it. We, we did, did it. it. We did it. We did it. Fantastic. We. Now, this stems from Caleb Williams. He's been painting his fingernails uh, ever since his senior year of high school. Um, he, last year, on his fingernails had F-word ND. And then he did it again for the Pac-12 championship game against Utah with F-word Utah across his fingernails, spelling that out. Um, they, he was injured. It's a weird, it's a weird championship habit. game. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's an odd thing to do over and over again and be proud of it. It's just but he's strange. Gonna, you know he's going to do it in the NFL too, which is also going to be odd. Uh, he's responded though to this Notre Dame fan slash student, I presume, uh, that ran up to him post game. Quote: It's cringeworthy, I think. Weird. Uh, quote: He says. Everybody wants to be these two 12 and a half shoes right here. 
I'm not worried about some kid running on the field that doesn't have anything really associated to Notre Dame other than possibly their family going there or him going there himself. <laughs> got a lot of guys over here okay. that I've got to lead. So some opinion of a sheep. Lions don't worry about that stuff. Keep moving on. Keep fighting on. Fight on. He, he then continues uh, throughout this and you know just talking about the loss and how they're moving on from it. But... Yeah, uh, the everybody wants to be these two 12-and-a-half shoes right here and then goes on to say, uh, it, I've got a lead, so some opinion of a sheep, lions don't worry about that stuff. Whatever. Uh, that's going to continue some, for you uh, after losses if you're painting uh, you know, messages to the fan base when you win. Some kid that likely doesn't have anything to do with the school except maybe attending the school yeah. was an interesting way family. to put it. Uh, yeah, okay, he's probably a student at the school is my guess, so he's definitely affiliated with the school. And the more Caleb Williams talks, the more I would not want to draft him Agreed. in the NFL. Agreed. So uh, I, I think it would be wise for his advisors to probably shut him up for a while. Chad, Davey Hudson joins us for Let's Get Weird. And five, four, three, two, one, zero. Talking now. Guys, as we get set on this next edition of Let's Get Weird, uh, the first story deals a little bit with the metric system I'm not happy about. So, But fortunately, uh, Amber Harding at Outkick.com was able to uh, translate, uh, not translate, what it, what's the word? Calculate? Um, no. It doesn't I'm matter. drawing a blank. It's. I'll figure it out as we go. But the first story starts with Tommy Lee. You might remember Tommy Lee from the band Motley Crue. He went on uh, with Bill Maher the other day, and he claimed that he drank two gallons of vodka every day back in his heyday. Most people remember Tommy Lee from a video with Pam Anderson. But, yeah, Motley Crue, too. Nah, that, too, yeah. Two, so, two gallons. Okay, I, I looked this no. up, Davey. Um, the handle you would get uh, of liquor, like a handle of mm -hmm. vodka, is 1.75 liters. That equates to 0.46 gallons. Not quite half a gallon. It's sometimes referred to as a half a gallon. So four of those a day, I don't know how one would be alive. Yeah, I think that's like equivalent to 170 shots. I, I think maybe he's thinking like that. that's a gallon, that big bottle, and really it's a, a not quite it's, a half yeah. gallon. So maybe he had a gallon of vodka a day, but even that... I'm not buying that either. Sounds like death. I don't know how anyone would not suffer from alcohol poisoning it, it, if that's what they did. If he did drink those two handles, that would come out to 0.92 gallons. So, yeah, slightly under a full gallon. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know he did a lot of other drugs back in the day. There was tons of stuff going on with that crew, uh, no pun intended, when talking <laughs> Motley crew. But, uh, yeah, it was just a – it, it's fascinating. I mean, the guy's 61 I mean, now. I'm you surprised drink, he's even still alive. The, the YouTube chat immediately is chiming in saying that's a lot. No, it's no, a lot. No human it, could do it's this. A, it's a statement in order to be talked about in a, when, at a time where it's, you're not relevant. Yeah. I, think, I think he... You can can you drink two gallons of water in a day? It's hard to drink a gallon of water in a day for people that want to drink yeah, more yeah. water. Uh, the, it says here that you can only get rid of about one liter of uh, water each hour through your kidneys uh, to flush uh, the the drink. It says another yeah. another response to you to chat. There is literally no way that is no. true. No, I I I I totally agree. I, I you look at Tommy though. He is a guy that's done so much. He probably just doesn't even know what he's saying. I don't even think it's. Yeah, I'm I just trying think to like, he's got his measurements off. 
Like, did he have a fifth of vodka yeah, a day? Two, sure. Two I, bottles. I, I know people that have probably done that when they were going hard. That, that's that's doable. Not two gallons. But but, but the other thing it says is that my liver was on crutches. And it's like, but he's not saying he did it one in one day. He's saying he did it every day, right? Yeah. Per day. No. It's like that was the usual. It's no, you know, just build up a tolerance. I was like, dude, you'd be dead. But anyway, yeah. that's that's Tommy Lee. He managed to, to make it into the news because of that. Our next story, we talked about this a little over a year ago uh, when the movie Winnie the Pooh. Oh, yeah. Blood, Blood and, and Honey. honey. Ended up uh, making its way onto, I wouldn't say the big screen, because I, I don't think it was actually ever shown in theaters. <laughs> but it made this its way to freebie. Ended up <laughs> making it to where somebody cut the check for them to put this together. Well, the problem was some fourth grade class, a teacher in Miami, ended up showing the film to his students. And this uh, was courtesy of, I believe it was CBS News, Miami uh, the kids were like, what, what are we watching here whenever you have a horror film that is depicting these childhood characters that everyone well, loved? I, 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 by the way, Dave, you'll appreciate this. It reminds me of the South Park episode uh, with uh, Winnie the Pooh. He's stuck in China along with mm. Disney or whatever. But um, I also think to myself, did the teacher just put this bad boy on and leave? Because at some point you see the opening credits or whatever. Yeah, do you not turn it and off And you know it's the wrong film. Instead of just or sitting just here watching it. power through it. So you guys are going to get an yeah, education today. A couple of slasher scenes happen and the kids are like, all right, we got to turn this off now. It's time to confront reality of life, kids, and death. Here Winnie we the go. Pooh, banned from schools now. Winnie the Pooh, blood and honey. Here we go. One big thing Fire on every NFL up. game is next right here on Hot Mike. Let me see those nails down, bro. Come on.